0: So, I wonder if y'all are those that like to have New Year's resolutions. Any of you New Year's resolutions people? I used to be very, very into them. used to always, like, make them really aggressive, try to stick with it for 30 days, maybe 31. And um, so, the passage that we're going to read today um, it almost sounds like it could be an article written about New Year's resolutions, but I thought it would be interesting for us to see, you know, what are the most common resolutions for 2024. And so, none of these are gonna be a surprise. Save more money, exercise, eat healthier, spend more time with family and friends. I like go down to spend less time on social media. Um, and this is for people age 18 to 64, so it's a it's a it's good a good span. If you were to read the passage that we have today, it would have, I imagine it being something that you opened up to a newspaper or to a a magazine and then it it said, how to live wisely in 2024. And then it had certain subsections that, that would have been very easy for us to want to follow along and read and it would have said this, literally because of the scripture. The subsections would be, manage your time better, drink less, Surround yourself with positive people and be thankful. I mean, you would read it, right? So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this day. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that they would be pleasing and acceptable to you, God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. You are our sustainer and you are a comforter. And we thank you for your presence with us this day. In Christ's name, Amen. So, we're continuing in the book of Ephesians, and this is the fifth chapter we have this week and next week. And so, hear now what the word of the Lord says, starting at verse 15 Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The first three chapters of Ephesians are filled with reminders of who Christ is, what Christ has done, and how the people in a first-century church should then live in community because of what Christ has done. But then in chapter 4, verse 25, the text makes a shift. It gets more specific. It's casual at first, it lets the listener consider How might my individual actions affect the whole community? And Pastor Kevin did a beautiful job last weekend talking about how the way we speak to one another, literally in the smallest of things, can build someone else up. I'm not sure if you all noticed, though, but Kevin went a little bit overboard into chapter 5. Did you notice that he also included 5.1? Because this verse... This is the most hinged verse of the whole book that transitions us from what we are supposed to do as a community before God to how our individual lives must be attest, att, attuned to. And this is what the scripture says. You might have heard us say it the past several weeks at the benediction. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a sacrifice and offering to God. This verse is this hinge, I, I picture this hinge, and without this verse, the door from the community to the individual, it cannot open with ease. And so without this verse, individuals can feel like the door is slammed in their face. Individuals can feel like they have been left out, not included. Because this verse hinges that everything that's about to come after it, a lot of very specific things about how we are to treat one another, all have to be lived through this lens of being imitators of God who literally died for us. Gave up his body, his being, his breath for all of us. And so we must read the rest of this letter being nudged being prodded, being boosted, being buffeted by loving as Christ did. And Paul writes this, if you want to be wise, if you want your new year to be a new way to live, this is how you should be. Be careful, be filled, and be subject. If we want to live wisely first, we are told we need to be careful. And the word that Paul uses there, it means to literally keep your eyes open. To be looking with intention about how you are walking around in life. Now I'm pretty sure all of us uh, sometimes consider what we could be doing better in our own life. You know, we reflect a little bit. Maybe we do it on our birthday. We think, oh, we want this year, I want to be better at blank. Or or we do it at New Year's, and some of us, if we're really good, you might do it at Thanksgiving. I am convinced, though, that one of the greatest causes of division in our world is that individuals are not taking enough time to reflect on how they are doing in their life and what is going well. Perhaps maybe that's why Jesus always went away by himself obviously to pray, but he just needed to reflect on what's, what's going on with me, what's going on in this world, and if I'm surrounded by people, and if I'm surrounded by my job, I won't have that time set apart to pay attention, to be careful how my life is going. I often am feeling disconnected and, and moving from point A to B to C to D and moving from morning to middle to night, and, and then you, you put, the, put your head on the pillow and you don't even realize What happened with my day? And many of you have heard of this, but there is this ancient prayer practice called the prayer of examine. And I try my best to do this at night where I just ask myself two questions. For what today am I most grateful? And for what today am I least grateful? And then I offer those as a prayers to God. One of my girlfriends, she, when she is feeling off-center or like she has just been somehow distracted from being intentional, she takes off her shoes and she goes outside and, and gets her feet in the dirt or in the grass to remind her of how very big this earth is. I know there are many of you, I'm looking out, and many of you do this. You live with intention. You are careful because you meet weekly with renewal groups or accountability groups or small groups. And these are folks that remind you, how are you doing in your life as a follower of Christ? Because who we are on the inside, it should match how we live. Next we are told to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul gives us this comparison of being filled with wine. And this is so intentional. The first century church, when they gathered, it wouldn't have been formal. They didn't have a temple. They would have had some homes in which they met. And it would have been centered around a meal. And there would have been wine served And then at the end of the meal, they would have finished by by having the gift and the celebration of the Lord's Supper and wine would have been served. Apparently, some in the community had been more focused on consuming the wine than on communing with one Another. Now, I have to give you a full disclaimer. Many of you know that we live in our house, the house that we live in, because my husband happens to be employed by the wine and liquor industry. But this is what I know from my experience of drinking. Is that drinking affects your judgment. It affects your reaction time and your behavior and how you interact with other people. And the more you drink, the less control you have of those areas. Paul writes, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And then right after he says that, he says to not get drunk. So somehow Paul thinks there's something related with being able to understand the will of God and drinking too much. We need to pay attention to that. If we want to live wisely, friends, and we want to know what God wants us to do, if we want to keep our eyes open and pay attention to how we're living, we need to pay attention to how much we are trying to fill ourselves with wine or with other substances rather than trying to fill ourselves with the Spirit because who we are, it should reflect how we live. Be careful. Be filled with the Spirit. And these seem at first to be really personal. I read them first and I think, oh, this is directly related to me and my health and my well-being. But one pastor said it this way. This short text and its surrounding context remind us that wise living is personal, but never private. Private. Each Christian is a new self which has been created by God, and that new self does not live in isolation. That new self is part of the body of Christ. And he goes on to say this, wise Christian living is not relegated to either the privacy of one's church attendance on Sunday morning or one's devotional life at home. Living wisely means allowing the Spirit to work the will of Christ in all aspects of life so that who we are as Christians is integral to how we live as Christians. Who we are, it should match how we live. Of all of the ways that this text encourages us to be, and as almost heartwarming and, and newsworthy, as these new resolutions, it, it's the last one that really gets me. Be subject to one another. It sounds rather knights of the round table. I am a king and you are my subject. But to subject oneself, it means to put oneself under It means to submit to another. But the text is very clear. This text is not referring to submitting to God or to a king. It says submit to one another. Remember that this letter is written to a church community. Not just to married couples. Not just to owners not just to kings, not just to leaders, or to followers. This introduces something revolutionary for the first century church. Mutual submission. People submitting one to another. The most faithful way to read all of the verses that come after that verse, it begins, you have to go back to what it says in chapter five. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. One of the most commonly quoted verses from chapter 5 is, wives, submit to your husbands, and husbands, love your wives. But friends, that can only be read through that hinge, that hinge of mutual submission and a sacrificial love for one another. When we submit to one another, we are revering Christ. We don't submit because people are nice or because they deserve it or because they earned it. It has nothing to do with what the other person has done. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we submit, we are being faithful, honoring of the sacrifice that Christ made for all of us. So how do we live wisely in this new year? Be careful. Open your eyes. Look with intention at what is going on in your life and seek to be filled with the Spirit, not anything of this world. And then be humble. It's being subject to one another. Not to get reward. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because it literally adores Christ, maybe so in my life and in yours.